It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a Locked On Podcast Network crossover series. There is a huge matchup in the NFL this week, and there's a lot of reasons riding on it. The Broncos are a little struggling right now, but the Los Angeles Rams are 5-0. They are red hot, and they're coming into Denver. And this matchup features a variety of important storylines, like the return of Aqib Tlaib, who's on injured reserve, but he's going to be there, as well as Wade Phillips, defensive coordinator the Broncos let go, and you can take a look at the other side of things, and they're struggling right now. So I'm joined today here. It's the host of Lockdown Broncos, Cody Rourke, joined here by Bear Motter over of Locked On Rams, and we're bringing you a Locked On Podcast Network crossover show. Bear, so excited to be on here with you, man. Yeah, super excited. I've been waiting for this game for a long time for really the two reasons that you mentioned there, and unfortunately, I feel really bad for Tlaib because I know he was super excited to return back to Denver and be able to play in front of that crowd in a Rams jersey and you know really be competitive, but Wade Phillips is still there. It's going to be a good reunion. It's going to be a great matchup in the mile high. And excited to kind of talk about this matchup with you. Yeah, me too. You know, thinking about this, I, I, I circled this game on the calendar in the offseason based on all the offseason moves that the Broncos have made. And I said, you know what, this is going to be an exciting game on paper when I look at the Rams roster. I think about how talented they are. Defensively, they looked absolutely scary. And they were there were some questions without Aaron Donald, but since he's made his return, the additions of Ndamukong Sue, and just the way that the offense for the Rams has been performing. I mean, Jared Goff in his almost near 500-yard passing performance against a very talented Vikings defense on that Thursday night game. And, and just he was lights out and a variety of wide receiving talent that they have. To be honest with you, looking at the Rams, they are the most scariest team in the NFL. And I think they're a little bit more hotter than what we saw with the Kansas City Chiefs. And and they get to come to Denver. So for me, this is a matchup that, based on looking at the Broncos' result last week, losing 34-16 to the Jets in in bad fashion, giving up over 300 yards on the ground to a guy, you know, Isaiah Crowell. I'm a little worried about Todd Gurley. You know, what, what do you think we can expect, Bear, in this matchup? for the Broncos defense, especially with a guy like Todd Gurley. What do you think the the offensive mastermind, Sean McVay, will utilize against his Broncos D with his very, very high-potent offense? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it, uh, that game that you guys just had giving up over 300 yards uh, on the ground, and I'm sure Todd Gurley is sitting here licking his chops, can't wait to get to Denver to get to the ground. And that's the crazy thing about Sean McVay and his offense. You would think okay, Todd Gurley's going to get the ball 25, 30 times in Denver, seeing how that defense happened. But because we have so many weapons, and we actually have Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup now in good health from what it sounds like in injury reports that we've heard that they'll be coming back to play in this game Sunday, you just never know how to really scheme against them. And I kind of was listening to uh, your coach over there in Denver kind of talk about that and say, you know, we're doing our best to kind of pick up those pieces that we left in uh, New York and try to get this defense back together. Uh, but my question kind of back to you is is really, outside of Von Miller, who are you guys really kind of leaning on to step up and stop that run? Because it, it seems like a lot, of, a lot of times it's like Von Miller or bust on that defense in the past three weeks. And with, you know, this offense coming in, they're going to need a group effort to stop Todd Gurley on the ground and, you know, the weapons we have through the air. But that's the crazy thing about this this team is kind of pick your poison. And if you stop one, there's a bunch of other weapons. And I think that's really what's gotten us to this 5-0 and record. But outside of Von Miller, who's stepping up on the D? 
Ah, you know, that's a very tough question. The secondary was really rough for the Broncos overall. Tackling overall for the Denver Broncos in Sunday's loss to the Jets was atrocious. The one guy that had a good game was Adam Gotts' D-end. He forced a fumble on the first series for the Broncos' defense to give them the ball in great field position. But overall, the Broncos are going to have to rely on their outside guys, Bradley Chubb, even Shane Ray and Shaquille Barrett on the outside, especially with a guy like Todd Gurley. The Broncos have struggled predominantly in giving up contained runs, and that is where Todd Gurley, you see him flourish as a runner against NFL defenses. When he can get to the outside, good luck trying to stop him. So the Broncos right there have struggled a little bit. I know Sean McVay's looking at some of the weak spots on the Broncos defense. You can look at the C gap. You can look inside B gap and the alignment. Sometimes the inside linebackers, Brandon Marshall, Todd Davis, not that great in terms of uh, what they performed against the Jets in terms of tackling. The Broncos might look to utilize rookie Josie Jewell at inside linebacker if they want a chance to have maybe a better tackler than what they've been getting over the last couple of weeks with Davis and Marshall on the inside. And and those guys are banged up as well. So Josie Jewell might be a guy to watch in this week's matchup for the Broncos. Uh, you know, Another guy who's been very good in the run game, but unfortunately we haven't seen it this year, is Darian Stewart. He's a run-stopping safety, and he hasn't been able to tackle. He's averaging over one or two missed tackles per game. So for me, mm. looking at it, the defense overall, they have to step up and respond big time, or else it can be a very ugly day before halftime even happens. Yeah, you mentioned kind of Todd Gurley and keeping him contained. It's funny. You almost have to look at him like one of those, um, you know, quick and mobile quarterbacks. You always hear, keep containment on him. Don't let him outside. And that's exactly what you have to do with Todd Gurley. Because I saw someone in Rams Nation tweet earlier today that he's averaging about 4.2 yards when he's running to the left and when he's running to the right. So he's averaging four yards on the outside anytime he gets the ball. And he's just averaging about 1.2 yards when he's going directly up the middle or when the run ends up going up through the middle. So it's a key thing. If you guys can contain those outsides, which obviously we saw last week was a big struggle for you, um, then you actually might find some success against Todd Gurley. And the crazy thing with his numbers is you know, we talk a lot about pro football focus here on and on Lockdown Network, and they have him as, I think, the number 18 running back right now, which blows Ooh, my mind uh, because weird. really he's, he's a fantasy beast. He's putting up a lot of touchdowns right now, but his yardage and the way that they're using him in the scheme is sometimes a lot more as a decoy and the play-action game than really kind of giving an, an opportunity to be an all-around monster running back. But the crazy thing is he's a top-five as far as yards in the NFL, and he's top five in touchdowns in the NFL. But somehow, pro football focus still has him as tied for number 18, which, is, which blows my mind. But, um, so if you, can keep, if you can keep contain on him, you might have some success there. But uh, a lot of weapons to be stopped for the Rams. And actually, real quick, what we're going to do is I want to jump over and talk about mybookie.ag. We talk about him a lot here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We're big fans of him. Guys, if you aren't aware... Go check it out. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN25 to get an extra bonus $25 when you deposit over $100. They even tell you if you wait till after 7 p.m. Eastern, they'll give you that bonus. It's a great deal. I love going on there and betting on their site. They got live in-game betting, which is by far my favorite. You can bet on fantasy points, uh, and they pay out super quick. They're legit as anything can be. It's not always about who you're betting on but where you're betting at. So go check it out, myboogie.ag. But we're going to have some fun on the show today. Crossover edition, what I like to do here is we'll pick a couple games. Me and you will go back and forth as far as what we think is going to happen in that game. So we'll pick three games. 
I'll start with the game on Thursday night. Philadelphia Eagles are traveling to New York for a division rival game. Right now they have the Giants as a plus three. What do you think happens in this game? Oh, this is a tough one. Based on, you know, the Eagles have struggled this season. You know, they, they, they struggle in a lot of areas more so defensively than they did last year. Last year we saw a very strong defense for them as well. And you look at the Giants' side of the ball, offensively, they have some turmoil. They have some drama going on. They're not on the same page, Odell Beckham Jr. and Eli Manning. There's been a lot of frustration that's been vocalized in the media. We saw Odell Beckham Jr. throw a touchdown to Saquon Barkley, a guy, you know, a rookie this year who's been playing pretty phenomenal. He's been a bright spot for that New York Giants team. But this is a kind of game where I feel like the Giants might have an inspired week of practice. I might take the plus three on this one. Yeah, I, I very, very true. And I'm actually really with you there because I think the Giants really, really had a good chance of winning that last game if it wasn't for a 63-yarder uh, from, I think, Graham Gano or whoever that was, their kicker, 63-yarders uh, to win the game. But I think the Giants are playing inspired football. I think they've been pretty close. They've got the talent. I think it's putting it together, and their defense needs to help out a little bit. And no better than a limping Philadelphia Eagles team who maybe is having that Super Bowl hangover right now. I'll take the Giants at home with an inspired crowd, inspired Odell Beckham. You're right, coming off of his first receiving touchdown, and, and yes, another throwing touchdown. So I'll take the points. They're an underdog at home, which kind of blows my mind, and hopefully that's a motivation. But I think me and you are both agreeing to that. We'll take the points plus three. We'll jump over. So we'll do the first game on Thursday night, and then we'll do the last game on Sunday night. It's another great matchup. Kansas City travels east to the New England Patriots. They are getting three points on the road. The 5-0 team are getting three points on the road. That's kind of what we like to call the Belichick-Brady effect as far as the spread goes going into New England. They've got all their big weapons back in Edelman. Gordon's playing well. So what do you think about this game? Kansas City plus three. You know, this is a good point. You know, when I look back at the Broncos game against the uh, Chiefs, I thought the Broncos offensive receivers were able to have a lot of success against Kansas City's DBs. And for the Patriots, it really was a hindrance not having Julian Edelman. You know, they lost Danny Amendola in free agency. You have the addition of Josh Gordon, who had a pretty big game, a touchdown catch in their last game. For this game, though, you look at Patrick Mahomes, the way he's playing, the way the Chiefs is playing on defense and offense. It doesn't matter what pressure you get on Patrick Mahomes. He finds a way to slip out of it and get the ball off. And, and I tell you what, he's kind of scary. So for them to be favored by three on the road says a lot about what the world thinks about the Chiefs. Now, you have to travel to the East Coast, which I don't think they have done that yet so far this year on a, on a night game in New England where it can get cold at night. Tom Brady all his weapons. I'm going to take the Patriots on this one. So I'm, I'm a, this is a tough one. This is a real tough one. You mentioned all the weapons with KC. They, they're they 5-0. Uh, they seem to handle Jaguars really well last week when everyone thought, you know, number one offense versus number one defense, and they really handled that matchup. they are got to be riding in pretty high on that one. And I, me personally, it's like I've got an undefeated team in the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, we have to get through this week as well. Uh, but you, I don't know. It's a mix of I kind of want to be the only undefeated team or I kind of want them to continue to win because that matchup in uh, Mexico City on Monday night is going to be even better. But I think New England really these are the games that that are kind of playoff atmosphere. And I think this is where you get the best of Tom Brady. He's already lost two games this year, which you feel like is already over 
you know, where they should be at this point from what we're used to seeing. So I think the home crowd there, again, uh, minus three points. I'll take the Patriots as well here. But I would not be shocked if somehow Kansas City comes in and wins by 20. I think it's either a close game yeah. with the Patriots pulling it out, or I think KC just shocks us again and goes and just handles business against a team that isn't as good as we're used to seeing them, but still has that that famous New England Patriots lore behind it. So I'll take the Patriots <laughs> on this one as well. And then we'll finish with the game of the week, in me and yours opinion. And that's the Los Angeles Rams 5-0 and going into the Mile High City to face your Denver Broncos. The Broncos are favored. Sorry, the Rams are favored by six points. So the Denver Broncos are getting six and a half at home. Talk to me about this one. What do you think is going to happen here? You know what? If I, we talked about a little bit earlier, you know, the Rams being 5 0, the explosive offense, the NFL's best offense right now in the National Football League, going against a Denver Broncos secondary that outside of Chris Harris Jr. is in shambles. They don't have a number two cornerback that's consistent. Bradley Roby coming off one of the worst performances of his entire career in a contract year. He gave up three catches to Robbie Anderson for over 123 yards, two touchdowns in that matchup. And then you have to go against guys like Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, just the, the array of weapons that Sean McVay has at his disposal to utilize. And they're going to attack Bradley Roby, and they're going to attack the number three cornerback, Pac-Man Jones. He's not in football shape, but he continues to come out there and play, has a hamstring injury. He left in the game. Who knows if his status is going to be available on this week. But if, if not, you're going to expect to see maybe Tremaine Brock back. He hasn't had game action in two and a half weeks, so there's an area I would attack. And then you have Isaac Adam, a rookie guy who's who's kind of learning by trial by fire. If I am Sean McVay, if I'm the betting guy in Vegas, I would take the Rams in this one. I think it's an easy pick, unfortunately. Even though you know I cover the Broncos, the Broncos are not a very good football team right now, and this is a setup, you know, to be a disastrous week if they cannot fix the issues that have been hindering them over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, you talked about it. Denver's lost three in a row. They're kind of in a tailspin right now into where they don't want to go, right? Into a big losing streak. And you talked about some of those things at the beginning of the podcast as they gave up you know, over 300 yards on the ground. Uh, Anderson had a, over 100 yards through the air, uh, and he's really hasn't had a great season until this game. I think the Rams just have too many weapons. They were in a close game on the road last week in Seattle against a team that we thought they'd handle, so... In the NFL, road victories are never certain, but when you got Sean McVay, who's 10-1 and on the road since joining the Los Angeles Rams, it gives you a little bit more of confidence coming into this game. I think you guys are just a little banged up, like you mentioned in that secondary, so I do think the Rams, with big motivation coming off that last week in the division rival, I think they really kind of came together even more as a team, which is scary. I think they're going to come out really fired up and, and make sure they don't get in a position where they need to go for it on fourth and one to win the ball game. I think that they do cover the spread here, so I take the Rams minus six and a half, but it's the NFL. It's an away game. You never know. The Denver Broncos could be playing motivated football, but I think the safe bet for me, if I'm in Vegas as well, will be throw it on the Rams. So we'll find out on Sunday. Lots of good games again on the NFL docket, so should be a fun Sunday of football. What we're going to do is we're going to take a break really quick, get a quick word from some sponsors. We'll be right back on the other side with some more Lockdown Crossover with Bear Motter and Cody Rourke. We'll be right back. The suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trail Blazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, this is Bear Motter with Lockdown Rams. I am joined with Cody Rourke of Lockdown Broncos, and this is a Locked On Podcast crossover. It's Wednesdays. We do it every Wednesday. We have a bunch of fun kind of interacting with hosts throughout the network. I think this is super fun. I hope you guys are enjoying it. But I want to kick this off. We talked about the run defense. Uh, We talked about, you know, kind of struggling as far as on this three-game losing streak. But let's flip it over because there is another reunion on this game, and it's Case Keenum and the Rams. We're getting to see Case for the first time (laughs) in a while since, uh, you know, he was a former quarterback of the Rams. Everyone here in Rams Nation has high regard for Case Keenum, maybe not so much as a quarterback, but as a person. We really enjoyed him. He was a great leader of this team in this transition year of the Rams moving from St. Louis to L.A. So we, we are very grateful for that. But he's been struggling, and there's talks about Chad Kelly. So talk to me about this offense, Case Keenum, what's going on, and what we could expect on Sunday. Yeah, you know, Case Keenum and the start that he's had for the Broncos this year hasn't been the start that Broncos fans or even Case Keenum himself have really desired. You know, he looked pretty decent in the preseason. He had one game where he kind of overthrew a couple of guys. But overall, he he got things going in the preseason, especially against the Washington Redskins and and the the very monumentous defense that they had at that point early on the preseason, playing some of their healthy guys, Adrian Peterson on the other side. But, you know, it all opened up week one against the Seattle Seahawks. You know, Case Keenum threw three interceptions, but to match it, he threw three touchdowns as well. And then he went three straight weeks without throwing a touchdown. And then he finally connected on a touchdown this weekend with Cortland's sudden eight-yard score on that first series uh you know but overall case keenum the one of the biggest issues for him i i like case keenum's leadership i absolutely like it i think the broncos need it i i like the fact that he's a little bit more upbeat he has a personality compared to what the broncos had a quarterback the last two years unfortunately though the play production for case keenum has not been there one of his biggest issues is he continually holds on to the ball too long and against a team like the Los Angeles Rams, you know, you got Aaron Donald, Ndamukong Sue, guys that are going to come after your quarterback, dial up the pressure a little bit, and make you feel it. If you hold, or I mean, if you hold the ball for more than three seconds and you don't get it out quick, you are going to have a long night. I, I think the Broncos need to come into this game with Case Keenum and look to get the ball out quickly. Now, we talk about. How are you going to do that? You know, you have a very talented secondary. You have Marcus Peters playing. But Aqib Tlaib's going to be out in there. Who's going to be a guy? And I'll have you answer this after I finish here. But who's going to be a guy for the Rams that is going to step up in absence of Aqib Tlaib? And is he a guy that can be very productive? Now, I think the Broncos will look to get the ball out quicker, at least in my opinion, if I'm an offensive coordinator. I'm going to try to get the ball out of Case Keenum's hands quickly. Quick passing games. 
If they play a little bit of zone, find where the open areas are. If they're playing man, you have to find a weak spot where you can attack. And I think the Broncos have to do a lot of different things. The run game is predominantly the major factor for the Broncos in case Keenum has to control that. And John Elway said it today on the on Orange and Blue 760, the Broncos local radio, that he was disappointed that the Broncos couldn't convert a third and two. That's going to be a big, big thing. So for Case Keenum, as a captain, as a leader, He's got to improve in that regard. His play has to to come up and match where his level of leadership is. His play's got to meet that. He hasn't done that yet. So, you know, for the Broncos, a lot of his yards last week came in garbage time. Overall, he did not have a very good game. He's not having a very good year. So, you you know, you are hearing these chants. You're hearing these discussions from fans about Chad Kelly. If Case Keenum continues to play, he does. You know, why not go with a guy like Chad Kelly? Why not just see? Because the Broncos have an easy out with Case Keenum after a year or two. And, you know, I think they might have to look at exercising that option or giving him another chance. But right now, the the Broncos offense is kind of in flux, and Case Keenum's really feeling it. Yeah, and you never know. You know, you're looking for some inspired football, and sometimes bringing a guy off the bench can spark that. Uh, he played really well, I know, in the preseason and really got some hype. I believe he was the last person picked in the draft. Is that correct? Was he the last man? Yeah, he was Mr. Irrelevant right. back in uh, 2016, I believe. Uh, you know, he had knee injury, he had, a, he had a hand injury, so he never really participated. So this is his actual first year on the gridiron for the Broncos. So he, he really lit it up in preseason. He's got a lot of energy and he's got a lot of confidence. So that, that might be the factor that's really keeping Broncos fans kind of pounding the table for him. Well, it'll be interesting to see if that happens this week. It would be a little ironic for Case Keenum to finally get to play the Rams, and then that's the game he gets pulled. Uh, it would probably be a pretty sad memory of, damn, these Rams, I just can't get away from them. But uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday. You asked kind of who are we expecting to step up in Tlaib's place, and, and that's a great question. I think we're still trying to figure that out. Marcus Peters is obviously you know our go-to number one, but he got torched last week himself. Uh, a lot of gambling versus uh, Russell West versus Russell Wilson, which, you know, didn't pay out for him. Uh, You also mentioned about Case Keenum holding the ball long. I would love to see that because almost the average of what we're seeing is basically drop back one, two, throw, because everyone is freaking out about this D-line coming at him. But if Case Keenum gets in some trouble, I saw it when he was a Ram. He really wants to make plays. He really wants to push the ball down the field because he does have an arm. So that could be one point that you mentioned could get him into trouble if he can't get rid of the ball, if he tries to make some plays, if they get down early and he's playing comeback, that's when you can really get in trouble against this defense because it allows those guys to really just go after the quarterback and not have to play against the run, which we've been pretty bad against lately. Uh, But we're expecting guys like Troy Hill to step up. Sam Shields didn't get as much playing time in the Seahawks game. I'm not sure. They haven't really spoke to why, but, you know, hopefully we see him back getting some action. But those are the type of guys that we're going to have to lean on in the secondary to come in, as well as Nickel Roby Coleman, who's got plenty of experience, uh, you know, playing in that position. So it's, it's going to be a group of guys that we're going to have to take to, to handle that duty, and we'll see how that happens. So I guess kind of going into that run defense that we've struggled, you guys gave up 300 yards, but we gave up. Uh, over 200 yards on the ground to the Seahawks. Uh, talk to me about your combo of running backs and Lindsey and Freeman. Who's more of you know who's who more should we be afraid of coming into this game, or is it kind of a 50-50 with those guys? You guys should be afraid of uh, Vance Joseph and the play calling. <laughs> you know, the Broncos <laughs> at one point in the third quarter against the Jets were only down 11 with about 13 minutes left. You have enough time. They tried throwing the ball too much. They only ran the ball a total of 17 times overall in the entire game, and they threw 52 total times. You can't have that in the NFL. They still had time. And the Broncos throughout these last four weeks have proven that they 
are abandoning the run. Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman are a two-headed monster at running back. Royce Freeman's your power runner, and Philip Lindsay's your explosive, springy runner that can burst out a big play at any moment. They have combined for over 100 yards in every week except last week. Last week was the only time they did that. The Broncos have abandoned the run consistently throughout the year, and that is my biggest worry. So, you know, if that's the case, I don't think, you know, the Rams defense has to worry necessarily. Uh, But, you know, be on the lookout for Royce Freeman to be your guy, a primary power guy. And if the Broncos see a matchup with Phillip Lindsay out of the backfield, maybe one-on-one with an outside linebacker, a nickel corner, they're going to look to make that kind of matchup happen, motion him out to the flats or catch a screenplay and and try to get things going. But the Broncos definitely have to do that. And if they can't do that, you know, I'm telling you, Bear, I might be driven to drink, and that's what I kind of wanted to bring up a very special point here for all listeners, whether they're Locked On Broncos fans or Locked On Rams fans. If you are a Rams fan or a Broncos fan and you are living in Denver, you should go get a beer. And, and I'll tell you what, Locked On Broncos, if we can give you anything besides you know throwing the ball and, and turning it over, we're going to give you a, a chance to get a free beer over there at Brews Brewery. They're a sponsor of the Locked On Broncos podcast, and you can get a, a free beer by just coming in and mentioning the Locked On Broncos podcast and the ad, and they will give you the first beer on the house. Now take a listen right here. They offer a wide selection of year-round seasonal specialty brews that are absolutely tasty and enjoyable. They include sour and cask-aged beers, and they also feature some special limited releases if you want to bring your dog they are very dog friendly inside and outside of the venue they even have a food menu for your dog and they contain 100 percent of the best belgian style beers quality is king for them over there at brews brewery and they only include the very finest ingredients that are used to produce small batches of truly authentic handmade beers these include fine belgian malts hops spices fruits and a very wide diversity of Belgian yeast strains that ensure superior quality without compromising the taste of your beer. Be sure to go check them out. They're located at 1675 West 67th Avenue, Suite 100 in Denver, Colorado. If you don't know where that's at, it's at the intersection of 67th Avenue and Petco Street. That's 1675 West 67th Avenue, Suite 100, Brews Brewery. Go on in there. You're a Broncos fan, you're a Rams fan, you want to watch the game on Sunday, go in there, have your first beer on the house by saying, hey, I listen to the Lockdown Broncos podcast. They told me to come up and obviously support Brews Brewery. You'll get your first beer on the house, courtesy of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. Hey. 
So, Bear, really kind of jumping into this, you know, we talked a lot about the Broncos offensive side of the ball, some of the struggles that they've experienced as well, as well as the Broncos defense, the Rams offensive run game, and just how efficient it can be. Let's talk about head coaches for a little bit. There's a guy, I tell you what, I wish more and more the Broncos got this guy for an interview, and Sean McVay, this guy's a genius. You know, I don't know what it's like being out there, being around the Rams and everything like that, hearing from Sean McVay every single day, but Sean McVay, his football mind, for me, I'm a football guy, I played it, I've coached it, I still coach it to this very day, I love watching it on Saturdays, Sundays, and and coaching it on Fridays, but his football mind, I tell you what, I don't care if if you're a fan of the Patriots, if you're a fan of the Seahawks, you gotta love Sean McVay and his energy, his knowledge of the game, and his passion, What, what is the overall feel around LA, around Sean McVay, because there's a lot of buzz around him. Oh, man, it is crazy. And I think back to when we actually hired him and there was a couple jobs open on the market. There was a couple coaches open on the market. We were really pushing for Kyle Shanahan as coming in and getting an interview. And, you know, we, I remember we were doing a podcast at the time. I was doing a Rams podcast, not on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And we were talking about potential candidates and we were about to have our big episode breaking down everybody we thought. And all of a sudden, they released, oh, yeah, we're, we're hiring this guy. And we're like, Sean Mc... What? And I had to Google search really quick. And I'm like, the kid's like 12. Like, who's going to buy his first beer here? It's, you know? What, what's going on? And the more and more you learn about him, the more and more you hear from him, he's just... It, it's addicting. You want to... I mean, I want to... Literally, I always say I could listen to him read the back of a cereal box, and I would be just so engaged because... The way he speaks, the way he talks about football and life and character and all those good things. I mean, I really want one of those advent calendars with, uh, you know, 365 McVeigh sayings because he always has (laughs) these great things that are coming out of his mouth when he's talking about football life and just being a good leader. And I think what's really happened is he's, I mean, since day one, people have just bought into what he's saying. And you heard guys like Andrew Whitworth, who talked about one of the main reasons that he came to play football was that he got to have a conversation with Sean McVay. He had a couple people close to him tell him this guy's legit. And he said, the moment I talked to him the first time, I knew that's where I wanted to go. And that's a, you know, 13, 14 year veteran listening to a guy who's, you know, 10, 15 years younger than him. And that's another thing is his youth can connect to some of those young guys, but also his leadership can connect to the, you know, the veterans of the team. And they've just so bought into what they're doing. And it goes back to that Seattle game that we just had. They went out to go punt it. Seahawks take a timeout. His team gets around him and kind of fires him up a little bit and says, hey, we can go get this. And he trusts in his players to say, all right, you know, you trust me. I trust you. And they go back out there. They win the game. And it's that type of relationship that can really take this team to the next level. But we are super excited out here about Sean McVay. I've never seen so many dudes have man crushes on the same guy. It's like, oh, yeah. it's like we got Brad Pitt as our head coach right now. <laughs> and, 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 and no one is ashamed of admitting it. And that's the greatest thing about it. Um, but he, he's a hard worker. And it's shown to where he's gotten and, you know, talking about, you know, head coaches and, you know, I'll kick it back to you when you guys, you know, picked him up. What that was two years. Yeah, he's been with Denver for two years or is that Yeah, correct? yeah, this is uh, this is year number two for Vance Joseph. And I tell you what, the village, their pitchforks are on fire and they're marching towards the city of Denver right now. And it's interesting it's, uh, because, you know, you know, you got John Elway, who I, I, from my understanding, people in Denver were, were really high on for a long time, but. He struggled drafting a quarterback in his last, you know, three attempts. And now this Joseph pick isn't going so well for him. 
Is it even a higher issue that we have right now, or do you think it's really it starts at the head coach and and players, or is it is it even one step higher? I you know to be honest with you, there's been a lot of talk about you know there's some fans saying that John Elway should be fired. And my question to them is, who are you going to bring in to be a general manager of the Broncos? That's that's proven that can carry on the legacy of what Pat Bolin wants for his team. I think John Elway's done fine. Now you know there's obviously some question marks in terms of his draft history. In my honest opinion, this year in the 2018 NFL draft, he absolutely hit it out of the park. I think he got an A+. A lot of people are grading him as an A or an A+. The picks that he has picked this year are playing. They're making an impact right away. Bradley Chubb, Royce Freeman, Cortland Sutton, Isaac Yadam, uh, Josie Jewell, you're having, and Philip Lindsay, undrafted. He didn't even get drafted. He got picked up as an undrafted free agent. Some of those things are big moves. You, you go to, he orchestrated. One of Peyton Manning's biggest reasons he came to Denver, he said, was because John Elway being a general manager. That was a huge thing that stood out to me. Now, as an NFL general manager, I think, you know, being a football mind, you understand this as well as I do. You never know when you go into an NFL draft or you go and you go through free agency and you pick up a player, you don't always know how that role or that move is really going to end up playing out, for example. You know, nobody was saying these things about John Elway when they had the 2015 team that really Peyton Manning had his worst year of his career outside of his rookie season. And the Broncos had one of the most historic defenses in NFL history. And they won the Super Bowl because of that. Not a lot of people were really talking at that point about, oh, John Elway is not a very good GM. Now, when you go through hard times, you kind of see a little bit of the character of a lot of people. You see a lot of frustration from the fans. The Broncos were actually pretty decent in 2016 at 9-7. and seven. Not good enough to win the division, but a step behind the Chiefs in that, in that entire NFL season that year. You come back and you go, you know, after that point, Gary Kubiak steps down due to health reasons. You come in with Vance Joseph, a guy who is a, an apparent leader of men. And I think one thing that really frustrates the Broncos is they started off 3-1. and one. You come out of the bye week, you lose eight straight games, and you just see the same thing week in and week out, the same excuses in press conferences. Well, we had a great week of practice. That is bumming Broncos fans out. Broncos fans are tired of hearing about it. And, and to be honest with you, here's my, here's my thing on head coaches, and I think we can use the Rams as a perfect comparison. Before the Rams, you had Jeff Fisher. You had that 7-9 and nine BS that we heard about every single year from Jeff Fisher. I'm not going 7-9. and nine. I'm not doing that this year. The culture – for L.A. at that time was absolutely awful under Jeff Fisher. It was one of the worst cultures you could think of during that entire era. Um, then you enter Sean McVay, a young, energetic coach not, nobody knows really anything about. He instills a culture of accountability. He changed the culture. They got rid of some guys that weren't part of that culture, that weren't supportive of that culture, and they created a culture with Jared Goff, who was considered a bust. At one point, his rookie season. Right. And then now Jared Goff, the next year, became a legitimate MVP candidate. And right now, he is an MVP candidate once again. So really, I think a lot of it is culture. And, and I think culture really lands on top of the head coach's head. The culture that is created for the team is on the head coach. And, and for Vance Joseph, there hasn't been a culture of accountability. There's been a culture of excuses. And we did this right. You know, we did this wrong. We had a great week of practice, so on and so forth. But there's never any adjustments that are made. And you could tell, you know, like to Tlaib last year, there was a war. There was a division in the locker room between the Broncos offense and the Broncos defense. It was evident. And it's almost appearing it's that way right now across the entire board for the team. So to be honest with you, Bear, I will be very, very surprised if by week nine, Vance Joseph is still the head coach of the Broncos. Wow. And you know what? That's about, I mean, you, you said it best when you kind of used our team as an example with, 
you know, we don't like to say his name too much around here. So earmuffs to Rams Nation, as we say, Jeff Fisher again. But, you know, Ooh. he did. He struggled pretty hard as far as that culture goes. And there was a lot of talk when we were debating that was Les Snead as their general manager. Is he a part of this bad culture? He's the one that gave, you know, the extension to Jeff Fisher. We thought they were going to go hand in hand when they got either got fired or got an extension. And, you know, good for Les. He was able to kind of cut himself out of that, get Jeff Fisher gone make the best hire of his life, get in some good drafts in the last couple of years and turn this thing around. But I think you're right. When it comes to culture, it lands on the head coach's head. John Elway, you know, it sounds like he had a great draft this year and he's a icon in Denver. So I think it's going to be really hard to kind of push him out. So you're right. I think Joseph is definitely on the hot seat. Be interesting to see if he's on a super hot seat and he won't get out of this season. We've seen teams do it in the past. We just mentioned the Rams did it to... Uh, Jeff Fisher and funny I actually saw an interview that was recycling around and uh, was his first interview when he sat down after being fired and he said he was shocked that he got fired at that point he thought it would get sketchy in the offseason but he still thought he was going to make it through after he got that extension but uh, man we are <laughs> glad to see him go with uh, his whole culture it was just not good and uh, it didn't produce a lot of wins so we'll see what happens uh, for Joseph in the meantime, and, and you know maybe with the Rams coming in this week, it's definitely not going to be a good thing to help him on that case. And maybe it is. Maybe this is a big win for the Denver Broncos at home. Uh, can really turn around the tide here. But before we get out of here, I do want to do a last little minute update for everyone here in Rams Nation to uh, have them understand what we're facing coming in this week. As far as injuries go, uh, the Rams are expected to get Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cut back. We're still a little banged up on the defensive side of the ball, but we have Mark Barron back as well in the linebacking position. Uh, we still have our offensive line, which is rock solid and, and healthy, which is always a good sign. But on the Denver side, you know, I know you mentioned Pac-Man's a little banged up. Is there anybody else that we shouldn't expect to see on Sunday? Yeah, right tackle Jared Valdir. He, he hurt his knee in the, the matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs at right tackle. He will be out this week as well. He's recovering from a deep bone bruise. You're going to see Billy Turner stepping in at right tackle once again. And and currently questionable for this week's matchup is left tackle Garrett Bowles, the first-round pick back in 2016 for the Denver Broncos. And and thinking about it, too, you know, Elijah Wilkinson stepping in. actually did a pretty good job against the Jets in that game. He's going to step in there. But overall, the Broncos are relatively healthy on the offensive side of the ball, minus those few positions there. Defensively, Pac-Man Jones, Tremaine Brock, two corners that are questionable or doubtful for this game. Tremaine Brock hasn't been able to play uh, in the last two weeks. And I think Bradley Roby missed practice unaccounted for Monday due to an illness or an undisclosed injury. He didn't notify any of the coaches, so he was MIA from practice on Monday, which was absolutely weird, coming off that very embarrassing loss to the Jets. So his status might be questionable right now. I, I haven't seen if the team has addressed that, if there's going to be any in-house discipline or anything like that. But really at this point, the Broncos can't afford to bench a guy when they don't really have depth <laughs> at that position. So, and you mentioned Cooper Cup and Brandon Cooks being back. It's going to be, yeah, I don't think they're going to bench him. But yeah, those are the guys that you can expect to see on the injury report all throughout the entire week. Well, it's been an awesome conversation. I had a great time doing it. Uh, hopefully we can have another one, maybe in the offseason as we're breaking down, looking forward to the draft. Guys, don't forget, go give both of us a follow. You can find me at Lockdown Rams. You can find Cody at Lockdown Broncos. His personal is also Cody Rourke NFL minus LA underscore Rambling Bear. Give us a like. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. Leave a review. Tell us how we're doing. It really helps us. It really kind of motivates us. So we appreciate it. If you're in the Denver area and you're a Rams fan and you want to listen to some more, Cody does a great job on the podcast. So 
give a listen, interact with us on social media. We love it. And guys, we can't wait till Sunday. Cody, thanks so much. And uh, best of luck. Well, minus Sunday, but moving forward, best of luck the rest of the season. Hopefully you guys get it turned around and get a bunch of awesome content for Lockdown Broncos. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed listening to the Rams side of things. Love listening to the Lockdown Rams podcast. I think the Rams have a very talented team. I enjoy listening every week. Look forward to this matchup. And, and yeah, Rams fans, give me a follow. I love interacting with fans all across the NFL community. Uh, like I said, we all have a man crush on Sean McVay. But, yeah, Bear, this was absolutely fun, man. I hope we can do this in the future, especially in the off season. So thanks for having me here for this crossover show. Locked on listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fancy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked on Fancy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked on Fantasy Football, only on the Locked on Network.